Hello, everyone, and welcome to the WMA podcast. My name is Hannah Leakian, and I will be your host for today. Joining us on this episode is Jacqueline Howard, who currently serves as Senior Director of Wealth Advisors Operations at Ally. Jacqueline graduated from Michigan State in 2003 as a journalism major, but found a passion for wealth management at Ally. Currently, Jacqueline is responsible for the Ally Invest Inclusion Wealth Strategy that is part of the Ally Enterprise Financial Social Inclusion and serves as secretary for the Ally Charitable Foundation. In today's episode, we discuss her journey from journalism to wealth management, financial social inclusion, behavioral finance, the wealth gap for Black and Brown individuals, Black and Brown representation in leadership roles, the importance of financial education, and so much more. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the WMA podcast. In today's episode, we have joining us Jacqueline Howard, who currently serves as the Senior Director of Wealth Advisors Operations at Ally. Welcome, Jack, and thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Go green, go white. Yes, go green. All right, so I'll kind of get right into it. So you received your undergraduate in journalism from Michigan State and was recently named a 2022 Outstanding Alumni by College of Communications, Arts, and Sciences. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about that and your career journey from journalism to wealth management? Yeah, so I graduated from Michigan State almost 20 years ago, which is crazy. I just was thinking about that yesterday and it blew my mind that it's almost been 20 years. I graduated in 2003 and my um, degree was in journalism with a specialization in public relations. At my heart, I'm a writer. Um, And upon graduating, I worked for a large PR firm, a global firm in Chicago, um, and then moved back home. I'm from Detroit, moved back home and worked for a, a boutique firm here and then moved again to a larger firm um, where General Motors was my client. And at that point, I decided to go back to school for my master's and ended up um, connecting with a professor from MSU. So this is something I'm going to tell students, stay connected with their professors because they will help you for the rest of your life. Um, Connected with a professor from MSU who had moved to Syracuse and decided to join that program. It was a master's in communications management. And during that time, one of my clients at GM um, had who was also in the Syracuse program, had left GM and moved to Ally. So the history on Ally is that we're formerly GMAC, which was the finance captive for um, for General Motors. And at that time, they were transitioning to be Ally, uh, had just launched the deposit side of our business like a year before. Um, So they were kind of building out the team. And I was recruited to join their um, corporate citizenship team overseeing um, employee giving, financial education, and corporate giving. So all of the work that they do with supporting the community. So started out doing that, um, and that has been 11 years ago now, and um, started out as an assistant manager, grew in the ranks with the company, ended up becoming a senior director in that space and leading that piece of the um, that support function for the company and really was able to implement strategy and all that. But what has really stood out for me, even after I graduated from college, the work that I did starting out in my career um, with, um, with Ally in that financial literacy space is really a deep passion for understanding money. 
it was something for me graduating from Michigan State. I graduated with maybe $30,000 in student loan debt, which was a lot back then. Um, I also had credit card debt. So I was like your typical student who I paid for my college on my own. I remember my time at MSU, I worked as a bank teller. I cleaned, at that time they had jobs where you can clean classrooms and hospital rooms there on campus at night. And I had an internship. So there was always this season for me constantly of having like two and three jobs during Michigan State so that I could pay for things, which made me once I graduated and started to make money, not want to be in that position ever again. I wanted to get rid of the student loan debt um, and really just learn about it. I'm a first generation um, corporate America person. My parents, uh, my dad was a police officer, mom was a teacher, they both had pensions. So we really never learned about investing growing up. You just, you know, the big thing was to get a house. That was your major asset, get a house and try to pay it off. So I never was really introduced to those things. So once graduating from college, I developed this passion to understand wealth and how people have money versus some people don't. Um, so that took us to, you know, the financial literacy piece here at Ally. We had a really great program and we taught the, it's called Wallowize, if your viewers want to check it out. It teaches the basics of budget, credit, banking, and investing in auto finance, but it's, it's like step one. So did that, led that for 10 years, and about a year ago, um, had meetings with our leadership team to understand what's next for me at the bank as I grow, and a stretch opportunity became available to become chief of staff for Ally Invest, the president at the time. Um, so I said, I might as well try it. So I took that leap last year. Um, did the chief of staff role for about six months and fell in love with investing and decided to stay on board. Um, Allies preparing to launch a wealth management product where we have advisors that will support our clients. Right now we have, and on the invest side, a self-directed um, product and a robo product. So this will be another product in our suite. Um, so we, they were, you know, planning to launch this no, we started, I joined the team in probably April um, and everything, it's been everything from hiring advisors to working with our compliance team to ensure we're meeting all of our regulatory requirements to the training that our advisors, the framework that we want to have for our business that is unique to Ally. Um, and I've really fallen in love with it because I think it has been a natural progression of my journey in this conversation of understanding wealth. Um, you know, it, it's the going from, I think you go in that phase of college of you got, you got debt, you're trying to understand credit, you get into your thirties, you start to pay it all off. And now, um, you know, and once you enter your forties and you're like mid career, now it's more about understanding your investments and how to grow your money. So it feel, it just felt like the perfect next step for me. So a very long answer about my journey, but that's kind of how I landed here. No, awesome. I think it's great hearing about your journey and um, you know, it is so important, financial literacy and financial education. And um, it's awesome hearing about, you know, your passion for understanding wealth. Um, what makes the wealth management practice at Ally unique? Yeah, so, so I feel like it's my baby and we're getting ready to birth this wonderful new product for everybody. Um, you know, I think, first of all, our clients will be able to join with only $100,000 in assets and they'll have their very own advisor. So that's, pretty unheard of in the industry. But aside from that, the framework that we're building upon is really based in a buying process and really understanding where our clients are in this buying process and not trying to sell products. So an example that we love to give is 
when you think of um, a good example is in the dieting industry. So right now, Weight Washers, if you look at their commercials, they're pushing products, pushing products, right? However, um, most recently, Noom, I don't know if you've heard of them, Noom, they have a more behavioral-based approach to helping you to lose weight. So we're looking to have that same approach of not pushing products with our clients, but really understanding where are you in your wealth journey? What is your money story? What things happened to you as a child in your early adulthood that have impacted how you look at money now? Um, also, even from a financial social inclusion perspective. So another role that I have, in, in addition to doing the operations role for invest advisors, I also serve as the lead for our financial social inclusion work. And I serve as secretary for our foundation. But where that kind of links into the work that we're doing with this wealth product is that we had a very inclusive approach to how we want to work with our clients. Um, historically, black and brown people have not been a part of this conversation. We think about wealth management. So for us, it was important that as we train our advisors that they understand that different people have different backgrounds. You may get different personalities. You may have different um, life experiences that may impact how we all think about money. And our goal is to get to know our clients, understand where they are, meet them there, and then we're going to get to the wealth building. And I think that is what, what creates the stickiness of it. Of um, It's not just about, um, let me say this, um, right now I'm reading a book called The Psychology of Money. I highly encourage this book. I, I fall in love with it, but it really looks at the the behaviors behind what we do with money. And so it's let, it's more of like that soft side of it. Like this is what I think about money because you can be in a place of having all the skills. You'll know the right thing to do. And then you still go off and do something else. So that's another piece of it. Um, our work is really grounded in behavioral finance. So helping, to, helping our advisors to understand what are some of the biases that our clients may have that may stop them from actually sticking to their plan stop them from actually achieving those goals that they've set. And we're all victim to it. We're all victim to it of, of getting off track. But for us, we want to understand the why of how we got here. Definitely. Yes. Um, it's interesting. I love learning about behavioral finance. I feel like, you know, more recently it's become you know, more apparent how important it is. And I love when you talk about, you know, financial social inclusion. Um, can you tell us more about your work in FSI and closing the wealth gap? Yeah, so this is, um, when I think of my professional North Star, um, something that I kind of keep in the back of my mind, and I encourage everybody, all of the undergrad students, think about that, like get clear on what's important to you for your career, because you'll never work a day in your life. And for me, it's been helping black and brown people build wealth. When we look at the wealth gap, uh, and specifically for invest, we, you know, we're targeting people who have at least $100,000 in assets. So that's typically someone who's college educated, um, someone who's generating a higher income. And when we look at black and brown communities for people like that, people like me and my friends, and you'll be one day, right? who are making high incomes, when we look at black and brown communities, there's still a wealth gap of over $315,000. So even when you check the box of, I did what I was supposed to do, I was supposed to go to college, I was supposed to get a job, I was supposed to do all these things, um, there's still this wealth gap. So for me, it was this passion of understanding, okay, I get the financial literacy piece of it. I did that in my last role. 
Now let's look at the financial social inclusion piece of it. And that means what are the, the societal issues? What are the products and services that we're delivering that may not be inclusive to everybody? So I'll give an example on our, in our deposit business. Um, a big issue that we, we found was that black and brown communities and people in general were being charged overdraft fees. And when you're being charged overdraft fees, a high number of those folks are black and brown people who couldn't afford it, right? And when you think of financial social inclusion, that's a bigger issue. So we decided to get rid of overdraft fees. That's a great example of financial social inclusion. Like, let's get to the root of the problems. And yes, we need to teach you all about budget and credit and saving and all those things. But as a financial institution, we also need to look at it holistically to understand what part do we play in it. Um, so I've been I've been so passionate about this work, looking to really advance it within Ally um, to really create products and services and um, you know employee opportunities, the work that we do in our community to make sure that it's all grounded in a lens that um, is equitable. Yes, definitely. Yeah, um, and I've heard this term. You know, kind of it's pale male stale. It's kind of these old white men that have kind of you know are this financial advising industry. So, I mean, what steps do you think need to be taken in order to increase the number of black and brown advisors in the profession? Yeah, so, you know, we started a program last summer. So this was one of my first things that we started um, with me leading FSI, a stock market investing challenge. So I think education and, um, so financial education, I'll go back to that and inclusion, right? So on the education piece of it, um, making this a topic at dinner tables. So with the stock market investing challenge, we had about 35 students who participated in a five week challenge where they did some trading simulation on a platform where they got $100,000 They were broken out into teams. And then the teams um, were able to present their investment pieces at the end of the program. And they presented in front of our bank president, community leaders, it gave them exposure in front of audiences that they may not have normally had. And for that, we actually pulled students from um, historically Black colleges through the Thurgood Marshall College Fund and also um, Hispanic students through an organization called Alpha. So for us, it was, you got to create almost like a pipeline where people can get the information. I think that's one way for us to go uh, is to hire people. You know, hopefully we'll get a lot of MSU grads now that um, I'm doing this podcast, but looking for that talent and making black and brown students aware that this is even an option for a career. So, you know, when we were doing the stock market investing challenge, we had members of my team come in and do career presentations, career spotlights. A lot of it is exposure, understanding the financial markets. Um, I think that's a piece of it. I also think it's important to have um, black and brown people in positions of leadership. So I know for me, growing up in ally at this bank i a lot of my mentors were women who i saw myself in them you know i saw that this person is for example our bank president her name is diamond ray she's an amazing leader and one of my mentors and it served as an example for me so we need more black and brown examples of what is possible i think there was a stat in 2019 we had something like 85,000. CFPs, and out of that, only 1,600 of them were Black. So how do we have programs where we're pulling folks along to get your CFP? 
Um, and it has to be structured. So that's something that we're working on at Ally to create, not only create that pipeline, so when we're hiring our advisors, we're keeping that in the back of our mind, um, but also as leaders, you know, folks like me and other um, positions, people in positions of, of um, influence at Ally have to be an example for everyone else of what is possible and be intentional about bringing folks along the way. Yeah, I think it's so cool. The stock market investing challenge seems amazing and an incredible opportunity and completely agree. Having that representation of black and brown, you know, people in those leadership positions is, you know, amazing. Um, can you, you know, kind of describe a day in your life and, you know, kind of what more about your position at Ally? Yeah, so a day in my life. It's always fun every day. Um, so I am the mom of two. So I have um, I'm a career parent. My daughter is five and I have a 12 year old son. He'll actually be 13 on Friday. Um, so, you know, wake up, get the kids ready for school, drop them off, um, head into the office. I've actually been coming into the office since June. Uh, we had the ability to come back as uh, voluntarily and I just like being in the office. Um, so I've been here since June, come into the office. And, you know, a day could be working with the advisors, training them through with role play through our consultation process and the various steps in our wealth management journey. So that too, um, I also serve as a spokesperson for the company. So doing things like this, uh, where I get to share about our work at Invest and also the work that we're doing in financial social inclusion and closing the wealth gap. So it may be an interview or flying to New York for an event, um, that all comes with that territory. Um, also, you know, a big piece of it is um, working with our compliance team. So I've taken the lead on that, especially since this new, just ensuring that we have all of our processes in place. So operation manuals, all of our regulatory forms, all of those things, um, and just kind of getting everything on, on paper to ensure that we're um, meeting our requirements. So it really varies from day to day. I can say the thing that I'm most um, passionate about is the work that we're doing with our advisors. And to really, I think, I feel like we're delivering something that will be unique and is definitely needed in the marketplace for folks out there who want to learn about building wealth. Um, another piece of it, we have a very robust um, financial literacy arm within invest where we have digital conferences, quarterly digital conferences. And with that, I help out um, and serve as a spokesperson for that. Um, so, you know, I think that piece of helping our clients to understand investing and making it, we call it democratizing investing. That's also a big piece of my day. So it can, it, it, so many things that can happen in a day, but I really do love, as I mentioned, that advisor piece being able to equip them with the education that they need to then empower our clients. We want to be an ally, you know, no pun intended, an, an ally with our clients on this wealth journey. So no matter where you are, if it's starting with a savings account to you're ready to invest with an advisor, we're helping you to build your wealth. Um, and for me, more specifically, when helping that journey with black and brown people um, makes me love coming here every day. Definitely. Yes. I think it's so cool that Ally Invest, you know, it really focuses on educating and empowering. And I think that is so important. Um, you know, how do you feel you're able to empower women through Ally and through your career? 
Yeah, so I'm really, really big on mentorship. Um, I think it has, you know, even the very fact of, of me moving to invest resulted from conversations I had with my mentors and sponsors who, who, who stood behind me and said, yes, let's try something new. You will be amazing at invest. This is what's, this is a great next step. So I think for women, it is so important for, especially women in positions of power and influence to really, I call it putting people on my back. You know, I have folks at Ally who serve as my mentees and I really try to go above and beyond for them to ensure like, what's your career plan? Let's get your plan on paper. I'm a big fan of when you write it down, it makes it real. So let's get it on paper. Let's socialize this with the proper people so that they understand what you want, know what you want and ask for it, helping them to navigate that whole process. But I'm doing that because somebody did it for me. And I think it's, you know, as women, you know, and we all get busy, I, you know, I have kids, a career, I'm involved in the community, all of that. Um, it's, it could be easy to get too busy to help others, to do this podcast, right? To do anything, you know, but it has to be so intentional um, to take a moment and just say like, hey, if you need me, Hannah, I'm here, just call me. If you need support, you got a question, you need to run by me you know, because I have more experience, my phone is available. My text is available. Um, so I think having more women do that and be intentional will create um, really that next generation of women leaders in banking. Definitely. Yes. Um, you did have another question, you know, what is something you think people should know about the wealth management industry that's, you know, maybe not talked about enough or, you know, discussed enough. Yeah, I got to go back to DeFi and the psychology of money. I really, you know, I think so, so often, even for me, you know, growing up in my 20s, it was money is hard. I don't understand it. You got to be a math major. Um, and it's not. I think so much of this wealth journey, yeah, it's skills. You need to understand what you're doing. But a lot of it is your psychology behind what you think of money. And really, if you put um, things in place to get out of your own way, or even just understanding what, what gets you off track, right? So for me, I'll, I'll, I'll share this. Um, I love like those personality tests, right? And for me, I'm what's called an epicure. So I love like fancy things and the, the nice vacation. I'm not frugal. Right. So for me, historically, that brought up a lot of shame because it's all been looked at, you know, people who are frugal, they advance and you shouldn't spend money on anything. But, you know, when I tried to be frugal, I was miserable. So for me, it was understanding like that's who I am and that's OK. And to help make sure I can retire one day, <laughs> I now automate everything. I have I max out my 401k. I max out my HSA account. Um, I'm putting money aside for my kids' college. So all of those things are done first and then I can splurge. But I think that whole psychology piece of it of, I had to understand Jacqueline. And how did I get here? How did I become that person that likes fancy stuff? And we all have that story. We all have a money story as to things that you learned growing up about money and how it influences how you treat money today. So that piece of it, I actually adore. Um, really helping people to understand the psychology behind their money and how to get around it to be successful, behavioral finance, understanding your biases, 
behavioral um, finance therapy, all those things um, make me spark up. Definitely, yes, it is, you know, great hearing about your money story and seeing, you know, kind of how that impacts you now. I'm, you know, curious, you know, what is, what do you think your story looks like in, you know, in the future, in those next maybe five years or 10 years? Uh, you know, so it's funny, I was listening to that book I mentioned earlier, The Psychology of Money, and there's this whole chapter on enough. So what is enough? At what point do you say, I've reached my goals? And, and there was a quote in there that says, the one of the best financial skills is to have the ab- ability to stop moving the goalposts. And that blew my mind because I think we're trained, especially as Americans, always think bigger, more, 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 bigger, 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 more, more, more. And for me, um, this year, oddly enough, before you even start, I started reading this book, I set the goal of like managing what I have. Nothing new, nothing new. So for me, um, I really would love to continue to go deeper into this financial money psychology piece of my career. So probably some certifications in that, maybe doing more, um, you know, eventually later out, you know, one-on-one training with folks on that. Um, And then really just getting to a place financially where I'm not quite a fire person, but I like the first two letters. So the financial independence and, and within that book also, they talked about time, like the biggest thing that people, the greatest asset we have is control over our time. So for me, I love my work at Ally. I want to continue to do this, but also if I don't want to work, I want to have that option as well. So for me, it's total financial independence and I'm, I'm going to get there as my kids get older and I'm off college and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then also really helping others really continuing with that North Star I mentioned of closing the wealth gap and helping black and brown people build wealth. That's going to definitely still be in my future in the next five, 10 years. Um, Probably more one-on-one as I build out understanding behavioral finance, more money psychology, more of helping our communities to really understand things that they may do that may stop them from building wealth. Um, but that's going to be a big piece of it as well. So, you know, and I'm open because I never would have thought in 2003, graduating from Michigan State with a PR degree in journalism, that I would be, you know, working as a senior director in wealth management. And the journey has been amazing. and I've loved all of it. So um, I think as long as I stay true to my values and my North Star, who knows where, where things will take me? I'm open to it. For sure. I think it's so great hearing about your journey. And, you know, I think it is, you know, people entering into this financial advising, you know, discovering what your North Star is and kind of having that keep you on track, I think is so awesome. Um, You know, so what would you say to anyone considering the financial planning profession? And, you know, maybe what do they need to know? And um, also more specifically, you know, what would you say to women who want to, you know, enter into this career and have a future in wealth management? We need more women. You need more women. Um, so I, you know, I think I'm going to start with women. And I think that specifically my call out to women is to stay the course. Um, I think oftentimes um, it's easy to feel, feel discouraged if you're the only person in the room. I'm sure you have classes where you're not, you're one of few women in the room, right? And that can be discouraging, but be the one person in the room, knowing that you being there is opening the door for so many other women to follow in your footsteps later. Um, so I would say, stay the course, 
really beef up your skills. Um, so you mentioned earlier, you're, you know, eventually we'll be studying for your seven and all their certifications. So skills are a, a big deal as a um, financial advisor. Get your CFP, do all of that. I'm even considering going back again for another master's. I am, um, there's a quote that my dad always told me about education and it was the time is gonna pass anyway. Um, so for me, I've always looked at education and bettering myself with certifications and things like that as the time is going to pass anyway, so I might as well learn something. Um, so I would say that, continue to, to want to learn. And then finally, just getting back to that North Star, um, I'll share this story that do, comes directly from Michigan State. I was in my sophomore year, I believe, and I was a J major. And at the time, nursing was huge. So nursing was huge in business and everybody did those career paths. And my older sister, who's like my mother, works for a hospital system here in Detroit. And she told me, she was like, you're not gonna make any money doing journalism. You need to change to business or healthcare. So listening to my big sister, I ended up moving, I forget what, it was some business major. And I was taking, an economics class or something. And I remember sitting in this, it's gonna sound dramatic. I remember sitting in class taking this test like, I'm a writer, I'm a writer. <laughs> and at that moment, I decided that I could not compromise who I am. And who I am at my core, you know, was that person who was a writer, a person who loves giving back to the community, a person who loves helping to advance um, folks understanding financial literacy. That's at my core. So I would say to the students out there also, like follow your passion. Don't, don't let money guide your decisions. Be mindful about debt and taking those kind of things on as you graduate, but really be thoughtful about having a career that you are passionate about because there's nothing worse than going to work every day and hating what you do. I, have, I honestly haven't experienced that. I love what I do. And the money came. You know, the money comes. Um, so if, I think if you love what you do, you go really deep on your skills and being an expert at what you do, building those relationships through mentorship and giving back. Um, you know, like I really think sky's the limit with that. And especially for our women, as I mentioned earlier, we you just have to, you know, make sure you're pulling folks along with you. Definitely. Yes, agreed. You know, it is, you know, having that passion and, you know, that drive to be a lifelong learner, I think, you know, goes a long way. So super awesome. Um, kind of to, you know, end this, I wanted to ask you, and I'm sure, you know, our audience and our viewers would love to hear, um, you know, what, you know, advice do you have for, you know, the Wealth Management Association and our listeners? I know you've, you know, talked a little bit about, you know, the importance of mentoring and, you know, the psychology of money, you know, that book. Um, but yeah, any general advice for our listeners? Well, I would say keep making amazing decisions like attending Michigan State University. Um, stay in contact with your professors. I have so many stories of where that MSU network has helped me throughout my career. Um, so leverage that network. Um, internships, make sure if you need an internship, call me. Um, make sure you get those internships and I love internships because they help you to see what you like and don't like and then to make a better decision once you graduate to find a full-time position, intern, get your skills up, you know, kill it in your classes um, and just be thoughtful about giving back to. So I think that's a big piece that I would love for younger people to think about. I know when I was in college, I was in such a rush to graduate and make money 
uh, that that thought of, of giving back wasn't as top of mind, but um, there will be so many opportunities for college students like you to reach back to high school students, elementary students, to start teaching them about investing so that when they get to college, hopefully Michigan State, they'll want to sign up for the wealth management program as well. So give back and, you know, maximize your opportunities. You got this. Go green, go light. Yes, go great. Yes. Well, thank you again, Jacqueline, so much for being on and sharing your story and advice and, you know, your journey. Um, We really appreciate you. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. If you like what you just heard, please like, comment, and share. This is Lance Mullen, producer of the MSU WMA podcast. MSU WMA or Michigan State University Wealth Management Association is a student organization part of the Eli Broad College of Business, located in East Lansing, Michigan. Our mission is to inspire and educate the next generation of financial planners. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed, please check out our channel on all platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And check out our social media at MSUWMA and MSUWMA.com. Mm-hmm.